Excellent. Hi, everybody. Welcome so much. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, for this Q&A webinar. Please mute your line if uh, you haven't already. Um, and we'll just use the chat box to, to share questions. And that way, when I share this audio out later, people uh, can, can hear everything that's going on. So uh, if you haven't yet, please uh, just click the mute. It's on the bottom left corner there. There's an option. Uh, Javine, I think you're still, you're off screen, but you're still on audio. Great. Thank you. Excellent. So um, I know some of you have found the chat box and written me some questions. If you haven't already done that, please do so now to say, yes, you can hear me. Just so I know that you know where the chat box is. <laughs> um, hi, welcome. We're just getting started. So if you could just uh, find the chat box and tell me where you're calling in from and whether you can hear me, whether you can see me and all that good stuff. If anyone has any questions, great. Um, I can see people are tuning in. So um, now that you found the chat box, while I am sort of giving a little intro about who I am and why you should listen to me, um, oh, welcome, Teresa from Washington, D.C. Um, please answer, like post your question, I should say, in the chat box so that when I get to that point, there's already a couple of questions in there. I have a few things people have emailed me ahead of time. Um, and why me? Why are you tuning in to talk to me? So I'm Robbie Samuels, and I am the uh, author of a best-selling book, Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. There it is. This is the only hard copy that exists. It is uh, proof that I actually wrote the book, <laughs> and it will be out on paperback on September 12th. Um, but I wrote that book because I've been speaking about inclusive networking for nearly a decade. And it's a topic that's really important to me. I think about networking from a different vantage point than I think a lot of people initially do. I am all about it being about relationships. So those of you that are just joining us, welcome. Thank you so much. We wouldn't mind muting your line uh, as you're coming in, which you'll see an option on the bottom of your screen. And also on the bottom of your screen, you'll see a chat option. Click on that and then type in a question that you have related to networking. So I'll be talking about networking. I'm also happy to chat about my book launch strategy, which is definitely related to networking as well. Um, so for the last 10 years, I've been talking about inclusive networking and the topic that I speak on is the art of the schmooze. And it's a catchy title. It gets people sort of motivated to come in and talk. Uh, they don't realize it, but it's actually a session about diversity and inclusion. It's just not advertised that way. And people walk away with their eyes open to like, oh, I hadn't even thought of the way, you know, to be effective is to be really inclusive. And so I want to cover a bunch of basics today about how do you choose the best events to go to? Because we can't go to all the events. And I am an outgoing extrovert. So if I'm telling you we can't go to the events, prom I promise you, you really can't. And a lot of the introverts uh, who are just exhausted by the idea of networking and going out and mingling um, might be a little relieved to hear that. So how do you choose the best events? One of the questions people ask me. Uh, how do you get into a conversation at an event? If you wouldn't mind uh, muting your line, that'd be great. And how do you gracefully exit a conversation? Because sometimes people get concerned about that part. So uh, give me a quick sense in the chat box. How many of you, uh, if you had to choose, and you can say both, I guess, but how many of you feel more anxious or concerned or hesitant to start a conversation? How many to wrap up a conversation and how many both? So take a moment, just let me know 
How are you feeling? So start a conversation, end a conversation, or both. So I'm seeing wrap up, both, both, start, wrap up with an exclamation point, harder to start. That's a good mix. So I'll definitely, I'll cover some strategies on that. Um, if we were to talk about uh, how outgoing you are versus how shy you might be, um, it's a different way of measuring than whether you're an extrovert or introvert. So, you know, are you more gregarious or do you tend to, to hold back? So, like, give me a, a sense on the chat whether you're, you're shy or outgoing or somewhere in between. Okay, I see outgoing, fairly outgoing, in between, shy. Yeah. <laughs> Someone didn't expect to be on camera. That's good. You can turn it off. You're, you're welcome to turn off the video. That's fine. <laughs> so, uh, and then being an extrovert means that you get energy from being around people. And being an introvert means you get re-energized being home alone. So... Give me a sense of that. Like how many people here are more extroverted? You like being around people and how many are a little more introverted or somewhere in between? All caps, introvert. <laughs> a mix, both, introvert. So I'm, I wanted to ask these questions because, and if you wouldn't mind muting your line if you're just tuning in. Um, I wanted to ask these questions because your strategies need to align with you are. I don't want you to try to be me. Um, I am somebody who's outgoing and gregarious and I get a lot of energy being around people as an extrovert. Um, that means that my technique's not going to necessarily be someone else's technique if they're uh, a shyer person who's an introvert and uh, just doesn't love going out and, and doing this. So, uh, but there are still ways to get out and do this. And that's part of what I promise you. In fact, one of the things I would say is that if you are an introvert and you, you find it really exhausting to go out to events, what if I could tell you that in an hour you could go to an event and meet your goals and go home, right? That's it. <laughs> um, I don't tend to do that. I tend to stay and stack chairs at the end of the night. I mean, I know how to stack every kind of chair there is because I just keep going and I don't know how to, I love, I love being around people. So I don't go home. That doesn't mean I'm more effective. That doesn't mean I'm better at this. So actually, I think experts also need a lesson on how to be more thoughtful and strategic about the energy they're using in the world. Um, so if you haven't already, uh, post some questions. You can either send them directly to me, which some of you have been doing, or you can send them to everybody. Um, so think about what questions you have. Uh, I have a couple of questions that people have sent in to me. Um, I, uh, so... One of, the, one of the biggest things I have to address here is that the word networking has a really bad rap. <laughs> Not necessarily undeserved, I should say. Um, it's kind of a negative connotation. And it's because the kind of people that are kind of salesy and kind of just slap their business card in your hand in this like spray and pray kind of way, they like flick their business card around the room and they're hoping people are going to reach out to them. Nobody loves that. I don't love that. Um, I don't love it online. I don't love it in person. So that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about relationships and how to build relationships with people. And that takes time. This is not a quick fix. I'm not telling you like, you know, buy this tool and like suddenly you're going to be the most popular kid on the block. It's not like that. It's thoughtful. 
But I'm saying that if you're going to put the energy into going out and going to events and meeting people, have a plan for how you're going to stay in touch with them afterwards. I want you to do something for me. You're probably sitting at your desk where you usually do work, uh, whether you're home or whether you're at the office. Look down and find for me the stack of business cards that are on your desk. You spot them. You have a stack of business cards. If you've left your house in the last few months, you've got a stack of business cards. That stack of business cards is the unfulfilled promise (laughs) that you you got from going out of the house, right? You left the house. You made the effort to do so. You, you got dressed up, you got, you know, done up, <laughs> you got ready, you traveled. And then you collected business cards, and the cards sat on your desk. And maybe in a couple of months, uh, you'll, you know, organize them and put them in a box, you know, <laughs> and then you'll put them in a drawer. And then a month later and a year later, you'll just, uh, you recycle them and you'll go out to another event and collect more business cards. I want you to break that cycle, right? That is, wasting your time networking. Instead, I want you to be strategic and effective as you build great relationships. So um, I see some questions coming in. That's great. So please uh, feel free to post some additional ones. I'm sure you're tuned in for a reason. Um, so that's so that's my take on, on networking and relationship building. Um, partly what I'm here to talk about is the whole mingling in the event part, but I also want to talk about what happens before you even go to the event. So I said earlier, you don't have to go to every event please don't go to every event. Um, but how do you know it's the right event for you? And, and how do you know that it's worth your time? Because time is a precious commodity. It's something we, we can't replenish. So the reason the book was focused on conferences is that we have a lot of experience, right? Going to conferences. And even if we're not the ones who pay for the conference, we still have to leave our house and go travel, you know, be away from our, our work and be away for a few days at this event. So logistically, we show up, we get ourselves to the event, but we haven't really done any of the pre-planning. We float around or we hang out in the corner of the room, depending on our energy. Uh, And at the end of three days, we're left with this sort of feeling of, was that worth it? Did I, was this a worthwhile effort? Like, did I get something out of this? Now, the reason we go to these events are ostensibly because they have great content, right? Like if they had bad content, if the content wasn't a good grade, we wouldn't keep going back. So that's always got to be true. But truthfully, we can get content anywhere. We can get content online through so many different channels. So the reason we go to these events has to be more than just the content. It has to be the fact that they convene people, right? And the kind of people you'd want to meet so when you're doing your thinking about the events that are coming up this, this the next fall, right? This is a lot of events coming up the next 10, 12 weeks. You don't want to go to all of them. So you want to be thinking about who's going to be there. Who are you hoping to meet? What inspiration are you looking for? What kind of people do you want to like connect with and offer value back to? And so one big tip I have for you around this is that I think you should write your follow-up email before you go to the event, which is maybe something you've never thought of do before. Um, remember, you're not actually sending it to anybody. You're just drafting an email. And to do this draft well, you have to really think about why this event in particular, who's going to be there. And like, how do, you, how do you find that out? You could maybe get a list of the actual attendees. Um, more likely, you'll only know information such as the sponsors, speakers, host committee, um, who's being honored. Like, you can get a sense of who's going to be there or people in particular. 
if you have somebody in mind that you really want to connect with, someone like, as you're doing your research, you're like, ah, that person, then you write your follow email with them in mind, or it's maybe more of a generality. Um, once you've written this, you know, you don't have to be staring at a blank page when you go home, because that's the hard part. You get back from an exhausting weekend, you've got all these other things to attend to, your inboxes are overflowing, you've got to like, you know, hang out with your dog and your partner, and hopefully the order of that is, is opposite. <laughs> so um, you want to, you know, pre-plan the time after the event to actually do the follow-up, but by doing the email first, you're, you're kind of getting in the right frame of mind. If you couple this with tracking the most priority business cards at the event, then um, by like maybe turning over the corner of one of them uh, as, you're, as you're collecting them or, you know, writing a note in the back, when you come home with that stack of cards, you drop them on the table and the most important ones will kind of pop out at you. And now you sit down and you take your, your you know, email draft and you can easily like add a personalized note and send them. That's when you're actually networking. Right. The networking is about building the relationship and going past the just like, hi, nice to meet you stuff. So um, that's what I want you to think about. And if you use Gmail, you can actually save that text for that email draft in canned responses. Um, so that's something to think about. You can actually look for that under settings and then labs and then canned responses. So Gmail, settings, labs, responses. So I'm going to take a peek to see what questions are coming in. Oh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> I love that tip. It's my favorite. It actually was written up uh, by uh, Lifehacker because um, they heard me talk about it on another, uh, another um, I think it was an Inc. article. So, uh, so I have a question here. What are some realistic goals that people can set for an event? That, that's great. I love that. Um, I think that it should really depend, again, on who you are. So for me, I might have a goal to meet three new people and reconnect with three people each day of the conference for someone who's shy and or an introvert and has more trouble doing this. It's like takes more energy and effort. You might be three new people and three reconnections the entire three days, right? The, the point here is that if you set a goal for more than zero, <laughs> you'll, you'll have done something significant. Now, I said meet new people and reconnect, and that's important because if you're only doing one or the other, you're not, you're not building. So let's say you feel that you only ever feel comfortable talking to new people and like just collecting business cards. Like you're just in the business to collect business cards. That's not going deeper. Like you've got to reconnect people you know and actually have an engaging conversation that furthers that connection. On the other hand, if you only talk to people you already know, <laughs> you're missing out. Like... You went to this event to meet other people. Um, so you want to balance that and um, set some goals for yourself based on sort of your comfort level now, and then you might advance over time to change them. I think what happens with extroverts, people like me who are particularly outgoing, um, we might collect a lot of business cards or have lots of fleeting conversations, but meaningful conversations is the key, right? Not just, you know, air kissing, high-fiving, <laughs> You know, like you actually have to stop and have an engaging conversation on the other end of the spectrum. If you have one conversation and it lasts 45 minutes of an hour break, you know, you miss out. Like there are other people in the room that would want to get to know you. And I'm going to tell you something that I hope that your, your mom told you, you know, like you're fabulous and fascinating and people deserve to get to know you, right? You've got to 
release this other person who's also fabulous and fascinating and go yourself to back and mingle. And I've had people use the fact that I've, you know, talked to them as like a, Hey, I just went to this thing. This guy like said this, you know, I should go out and network and mingle and have goals. And, and then people are like, Oh yeah, I'm here to meet people too. It like reminds them. Um, so I will address the book stuff later on. I know there was a question earlier about the book stuff and I, I will get back to that. And at the close, um, and I think the second part of that question about realistic goals is how do we keep expectations in check and yet have a positive experience that makes one want to go to the next event? Yeah, I think, again, like if you have that pre-planning about why you're going, then you'll be able to judge whether or not the event was successful. If you don't do the pre-planning, how do you know? How do you know if the event was successful? You just know you went. Um, you know the time was spent. So the same thing as going to a conference and not taking away information and actually using it. That's the other thing. Like, it's about implementation. Um, I also uh, want to talk a little bit about how to get into a conversation because a number of you said that was part of the problem, which is how to start a conversation. And so when you first walk in a room, um, people are standing around usually at these events, whether it's a networking event after work or a breakfast meeting um, or a conference or any kind of session like that. People are standing around, and the title of the book uh, is Croissants versus Bagels, and that is because uh, it's kind of a strange name for a um, business book. Um, it's because when you when you walk in an event, people are standing in those tight networking circles, those shoulder to shoulder huddles that are impossible to break into. That's the bagel, and if one person opens up their body language and makes room for others to join, croissant. <laughs> yeah, you can picture it. So when you first walk in a room, you want to walk around and try to find those natural openings where people seem a little more inviting, a little more welcoming um, to have you join their group. This is much better than walking in and immediately going to the wall. Uh, particularly don't go to the corner. <laughs> this is a big tip. If you go to the corner, someone like me who's gregarious, right, is going to stand in front of you and talk your ear off and you won't be able to get out because the egress is through this person who's oblivious. So don't, don't get stuck in corners. Okay. You probably had this happen to you, but you want to stay in the middle of the room. And to do that, you want to like try to break your way into these, these circles, but sometimes they're like bagels with locks. They're like really hard, in which case don't try to break in, go get in line, get in line for food, get in line for a drink. Um, and then just make eye contact and have a casual observation about what's going on, the, the thing you're all doing together. Uh, this is not the time to complain. Um, you might be very bummed that they don't have, you know, vegan options, but, you know, you'd have a better chance of uh, maybe changing that for the next time if you approached it differently. Um, totally legit. But instead, it's just an upbeat, casual observation. And then they might invite you back to go meet their other friends. Generally, my favorite opening line is, hi. My name's Robbie, although I think you should use your own name, but that's really up to you. It'll be more effective that way. So basically, that, don't overthink it. Like too many times we see someone, we, we kind of remember who they are. We're trying to think of what we're supposed to say. We're like, we're in our own brain. We're like, ah, oh, we're not even looking at them. We're just thinking about it. And we look up and that person is gone. They've wandered off into the crowd, never to be seen again. That is the worst opening line. It's the one that doesn't even happen. So if you wrote an email to that person that you never got a chance to talk to, would that be a follow-up email? <laughs> it's just email. <laughs> and if you're just going to write email, you can stay home. Like you don't have to leave your house, 
get all dressed up and, and, and go make the effort. Um, but if you're going to do that, go over and just say hi. And here's a little secret for you. They're not going to remember every detail of the conversation. So if you forget to say thank you or congratulations or anything that you remember later on, go afterwards and go ahead and like write them an email that includes that. That's fine. So I see a, um, I see a little comment coming in. Getting in line is a great tip. I've always scoped out coffee, water, restrooms, et cetera, on another floor so I could avoid lines. Hmm. I never thought of using the line as an opportunity. It's funny. I'm sure there are lots of women, particularly on here, that have like started conversations waiting in line for the restroom because <laughs> it's like you wait and wait and wait. And the nice thing about getting in line, I'll tell you the secret. People don't stand in line with their best friends, right? If you're sitting with a bunch of friends, and you're like, oh, I'm going to get a drink. Anyone want anything? You don't command them all to stand and rise and follow you to the bar. <laughs> you know, you don't like all six of you must stand up now. You're just like, hey, I'm going to go. Is anyone? And then you walk off by yourself. It, so I wander over and I see you standing at the bar and I can now have a conversation with you. It's less intimidating, actually, than walking over to the six or seven people who were sitting down together. So I think of it as an easier entry point. Keep the conversation light. This is not the time to pitch or, you know, pull out your business card and like go with your whole sales thing or your elevator pitch. Save that. Uh, just keep it light. So um, let me see. Is there a good methodology for processing those business cards post-event? Yeah, I, there was a question about that here. And there was a question also about, um, so how do you track afterwards the connections you've made and uh, over a long period of time? So I'm going to hold on to that for a minute and just address another question that had come in. Um, let's see. I did get into conversations. Um, let's talk about graceful exits because I think that's the other challenge people had mentioned earlier. Um, if you are standing with somebody and it's like, let's say there's four or five people in the circle and you want to leave, are you going to interrupt the conversation and shake hands with each person? Like, no, right? That doesn't make sense. So the easiest, most graceful way to exit a conversation is to be standing in a circle and leave almost before it's time, almost before you really, like, you're like, huh, I should, I should probably just go right now. I can always come back and talk to them. So you just kind of get in your head and then you tap the person next to you and you just go, hey, I'm going to go. And you just like mumble your way out. Like you don't even have to be specific. No one cares. They're going to continue the conversation without you and you will just wander off. That's it. You might be you want to go get a drink. It might be you want to use the bathroom. It might be you want to check your bid sheet if you're at an auction for a fundraiser. Whatever it is, you just wander off. Totally smooth. If there are only three people, okay, now you got to think about this a little bit because if somebody other than you steps away, you only have two people and it definitely takes a little more effort to negotiate leaving when it's only two people. So you have some choices. You can either choose to leave when there's three people, leaving two people behind. You can invite other people into your group by, again, being croissant and waving people in. Um, if someone else leaves, you're down at two people, and now you do have to do some negotiating. So it, one method is to actually ask people to help you make connections. So if you're newer into the space, if, if you're more of a guest, first-timer, you, know, you just don't know that many people, and the person you're talking to does know people, and that's partly why I think you shouldn't stand on the side of the room, because you're don't know, you know, you can have another person who's new um, come in and start a conversation with you and they don't know anyone. But if someone, you think they know some people in the room, they've been a regular, 
then you can actually say, hey, I don't know that many people here. Is there anyone you think I should meet? And then you'll like brainstorm for a moment. And then you'll be like, oh, great. Will you introduce me? And people love to be connectors. I did this actually years ago at a conference where I was talking to a college student. He's 20. I was, you know, near 40. And it had been a long time since I've been in college. We chatted for a little bit. I asked him this question and he introduced me to his intern supervisor. And he was so excited to make this connection for me. So that was a much more fruitful connection, right? Like it was a peer in my field. It was a great connection. So definitely use that tactic. There's a follow-up question here about how do you interject a conversation? I'm so glad you asked that. Thank you. Um, This is again about personality. I want to caution the outgoing experts that just because you can sort of bust into a circle and like tell a joke or tell a story, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, You really just, someone's going to let you in. Someone's going to physically kind of make space for you. You might just stand there and like have a, like, ask them a question about what's going on. Now, if you're in the circle, if you're already standing in that group and someone joins you, the host thing to do, the gracious thing to do is when there's a lull in the conversation to actually, first of all, wave them in as they're approaching. But then you might say, oh, hey, Bob was just talking about his trip to Alaska. And then you would turn back to Bob just to like let them know what's going on. I mean, that's a pretty easy thing to do. But just think about it from the perspective of the person who's coming into the circle, how, how grateful they're going to be that you did that. Because we all know those, like, romantic comedies, you know, where, you know, someone's standing, like, inches their way into one of these, like, tight bagels circles, and everyone laughs, and then they laugh, and then the whole circle looks at them, because they're like, there's no way this person knows what we're laughing about. Like, I'm not telling you to fake it. I'm telling you to, like, have genuine curiosity, like, oh, you know, what's going on, you know? And hopefully that, that person sort of give you a little bit and you can then ask some questions of the group, um, join in in that kind of way. But you're not, your aim is not necessarily to take over the whole group. You might end up just talking to one or two people that were standing near you and forming a new group, which hopefully will be a croissant. So you're going to keep inviting new people in. So that's kind of the strategy for that. And the other thing is getting introduced. So if you've been really welcoming to people earlier and they left the conversation with you feeling like awesome, even if they didn't know you very well, even if you didn't say very much about yourself, you just show genuine interest in them. And they're standing in one of those circles, they see you approaching, they're going to make space for you and help make that introduction. So there's a way in which you can like pay this forward ahead of time and then benefit from it later on. Similarly, if you walk in and you just start handing everyone your business card in a very you know salesy, spammy kind of way, then when you go to walk over to a circle, people are going to be like, oh, don't do that. And they're like, turn away from you. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a barometer of whether or not uh, you're doing that earlier. Um, so uh, getting out of conversations, I also wanted to, to say, uh, think about whether you're a host or a guest. And I, I wanted to find this a little bit differently than maybe you're thinking about it. Um, you're a guest if you're a first-time attendee, if you really know nobody. If you've gone to this event a few times, you know, maybe three times in a short amount of time or a few years in a row, then, then you know people, you're a regular. And once you reach that point, then this event feels more like a reunion to you. And it actually, um, you, go, you go to see certain people that you're only going to see that time of the year. And if you have an eye towards being a host, then people are going to uh, appreciate that because you can then see new people and welcome them in. And that includes going over and talking to people who are standing by themselves. So if you're a regular, then by all means, go and talk to people who are wallflowers, uh, for lack of a better term, and, and 
the thing is at the end of that conversation, you'll be able to make introductions. You won't be stuck. So if you're a guest, you want to stay in the middle of the room, right? Gravitate where the people are. But if you're a host, then yes, you can uh, kind of look for the outliers and, and welcome them into the space. And actually think about how it helps the longevity and sustainability of this event and this organization or this association to have first timers return, to have that retention rate go up. So you're doing a part of that. So a question just came in. Do you think there's a difference between networking at a conference versus general networking event? Any special things to keep in mind? So the, uh, I mean, I think generally it's the same. The difference is that at a conference, you can see people several times over a short amount of time. So I once met someone completely randomly at a Starbucks because I turned around and I saw he was wearing a name badge for the same event. And the title of his organization had the word leadership. And my podcast on the schmooze is about leadership and networking. So I just turned and I said, hi, I'm Robbie. I, and then I sort of said, it caught my eye that you do something on leadership. And we had this great conversation while we were waiting for our food. And he was a CEO of a multi-million dollar organization and also a shy introvert. And we sat down and had breakfast together. And he said, oh, I would never have done what you did, but I'm so glad we're having this conversation. And then I saw him about four times a day for the next three days. That was the very beginning of the event. And by the end of this, I invited him to be on my podcast. And of course he said yes. Like by then we've had these great conversations over and over again. So one of the benefits of a conference is the repeat sort of opportunity that you have that you may not have if you meet at a one-time event. Uh, you may have to wait weeks, if not a month or more, before having an opportunity to see someone again so soon. Uh, do, uh, another question just came in. Do you recommend people hosting their own events to expand their business or networks? I absolutely do. So I'm about to close a social justice meetup group called Socializing for Justice that has been running for 11 years in Boston. And I'm closing it because my priorities have shifted. I'm now doing a lot more in the parenting realm. I'm a parent of a 20-month-old and I have another uh, due in December. And so I'm doing a lot of parent organizing as sort of my side work. But I have to say, when I left my day job and I decided to pursue my business full time two and a half years ago, I didn't feel like I was on my own. I was completely surrounded and supported by community because for 10 years I had been offering value. And one of the things I was doing is I was hosting events. So I also want to share here that as much as I'm an outgoing extrovert and I love being around people, I know what it feels like to feel left out and to feel like the odd one out and to think that maybe everyone else is best friends and I don't know anyone. I'm new here. And for me, that memory actually goes back to camp. I don't know if anyone else had experiences of going to camp and, you know, all the campers seem to be all forming cliques and you're not. But I vividly remember walking over to a group of campers and they didn't make space for me. They were standing in a tight circle and no one either noticed or cared that I was standing nearby. And I wonder if that's like the origin story for bagels versus croissants. But I, that feeling doesn't really go away. So one of the ways I've coped with that is actually hosting events. If I host events, then I'm going to be welcome at that event. And then I also can put energy and effort into making that event welcoming for other people. The people who arrive are just seeing so much benefit from being at the event, the people they're meeting, that they then add, like they look to me as the connector. And then like suddenly, you know, my esteem goes up and, and how they view me goes up and like what they want to do to support me goes up. So that's one thing to think about. The other is 
if you're going to a conference, you can actually host a, a small dinner party in connection to the event as a way uh, to bring together, a, you know, eight to 10 people that, you know, you might even have a co-host. So you and each, you and another person each bring three or four people together um, to get eight or eight to 10 people total at a local restaurant. And just, it's the conversation goes more in depth. Um, you can do this locally. So I actually host a monthly dinner in Boston that is three different online groups is who I invite. So I invite people that are in three online Facebook communities that I'm very active in, but I wanted to have some tangible real life connections, not just the online ones. So there's a standing appointment on my calendar for us to all meet up at this restaurant. And there is, you know, usually, you know, anywhere from five to 10 people that come and we're, we're getting into some great conversations and supporting each other's business growth and making referrals. And that's, that's possible because of the hosting part of this. Um, so I think, yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> um, also meetup is a fantastic tool. Meetup.com. If you haven't already used it, if you wanted to, to look to see what events are already out there or start your own, it's so much easier than it used to be to start events. Um, so let's see. Uh, I want to address the, the conversation, the question about um, following up. So <laughs> you have all these business cards, <laughs> you go home, uh, it's the end of a long weekend. So I always ask people when I do my talks, like when in the talk do you think, you know, when in the week do you think you're going to do your follow-up? And people are like, oh, Sunday night, as soon as I get home. And it's like, that's not necessarily realistic for everybody. Again, there's a lot that they're coming home to. But in the two days from when you get home, from Sunday night to Tuesday night, or if you go to an event on a Thursday, like by Monday at the latest, which is like, you know, you have two business days of grace, you want to make sure you do that follow-up. So now that you've done that, what next? So first of all, what does the follow-up look like? I have changed my tactics over the years. I used to do emails. I now do mostly LinkedIn requests, and I save emails for people where I actually have a request or I want to... I want to invite them to, you know, set up another conversation or to meet with me, or I, I just, I want to further the connection. And it was a different kind of conversation. I really want to go deeper. So most of the time it's just a LinkedIn request. Now make sure you, you write a note with the LinkedIn request. It gets a little tricky um, to keep changing how this works, but the safest thing to do is to go to the profile of the person and they'll get to know that you went. That's something you should know that unless you turn this off by default, they're going to see that you did this. Uh, which is good because it makes them curious about who you are. But then you click on the uh, invitation to connect and there's an option to add a note. Definitely add a note because people are busy. You're busy. The people you're kind of connect with are busy. It's good to do this kind of soon so that you are top of mind. They have some uh, memory of having had a conversation with you. Um, the same with email, like, you know, do that kind of soon. And if you've already pre-written your email, it makes it so much easier. What then? So, uh, a low key way to do this is you can actually use LinkedIn to track some of this. And there's a tool that I've just started using called DuckSoup, D-U-X-S-O-U-P. And I'm going to actually put a link in here to a discount. Uh, DuckSoup. Okay, so that's sort of a funny spelling. This connects, uh, it's a Chrome extension that connects with LinkedIn. And it lets you write a note on any profile, even if you're not already connected with someone, which is really helpful if you're doing kind of research before an event about the people that are going and you want to kind of track that a little bit. 
there's a place that you can uh, do like a tag and then an actual note. Um, the free version lets you do all of that. The paid version then lets you download that into an Excel spreadsheet and makes it easier for you to then, you know, filter and sort uh, to see who it is. Um, maybe you're putting tags for what conference you meet people at, uh, what industry they're in. I don't know, like uh, dinner prospects <laughs> that you have, and then you'll be able to use the, the download to then uh, learn more about them. It's a pretty inexpensive uh, option if you do choose the paid version. I think that link gets you like, you know, a month off the six month or three months off the 12 month or something like that. Um, the other option I would suggest is something called Contactually. I'll actually go even back further. You can use Gmail, honestly. Um, using labels for Gmail could be way, one way to track. This is something that uh, Ramit Sethi talks about. Um, he is, uh, his, his thing is, um, I will teach you to be rich is his website. And he does a lot of online finance stuff. But he talks about how when he travels, he actually tags in his Gmail a city that people live in. So when he's going to Boston, he can filter for that label uh, and then know all the people that he's been in conversation with recently who live in Boston or San Francisco or Chicago or New York, et cetera. So that is kind of a low key way to do that. You can add a bunch of tags um, or labels to your, to your Gmail and then filter that way. Um, but contextually is what I use to keep track. And what I love about it is that if you meet people and you have a real uh, clear idea of how you're going to work together, like, you know, you're going to go work on a venture together, then it's, there's no question you're going to stay in touch. The harder part for me, and I think for most people is how to, how to stay in touch with the people that you don't have a direct connection, uh, something right away to work on together that is actually uh, just more of a loose connection. And, and Malcolm Gladwell calls these people weak ties. And you need weak ties. If you only have strong ties and you're looking for a job, for, for instance, and you ask your closest friends and family for leads and they don't have any leads for you, then you don't have a job. <laughs> but if you can spread the word to a wider network of people who know you or know of you, their colleagues, associates, et cetera, um, fans, friends, followers, then it's more likely you're going to get uh, connected into possibilities. So you definitely want to nurture those relationships, not every single one of them, but one idea is to use contextually. And what you do is you put each person in a different bucket and uh, you're selective. So like maybe after you go to a conference, there's two or three people that you want to keep track of long-term and each bucket has a timer so that let's say I put somebody in and I'm like, I know I want to talk to them again in a month. I put them in the, the bucket that's tied to that or someone else's once a quarter. And if I don't reach out to them uh, by phone or by email, those are the two ways that it tracks automatically. Um, I then will get a little reminder on my dashboard and it's like, Oh, I hadn't thought of that person. It's been a few months. I should, you know, and sometimes I think, Oh, wow, I don't, I, I actually can't think of why I want to stay in touch. That's fine. I'll let that one go. So it's just a way to sort of um, keep track a little bit of that. So I'll put this in here. Um, contactually. So there you go. So that's the link um, to learn more. There's actually a free 15 day trial. So just to test it out. And if you decide to do that, I'm happy to help you think about how to set up your um, different buckets. Cause it's something to kind of think through. They've got a fantastic um, team there that helps you do this tons of videos and resources. Um, so post other questions you have um, on here and I'm happy to answer them. I'm going to just like take a quick look in the book and see if there's any other topics that people were talking about. Um, we were talking about this online the other day. Uh, let's see. 
there's some great examples of what not to do in here. <laughs> so definitely think about that. So not seeing any other questions, we're going to wrap this up in about five minutes. Um, I wanted to tell you about an opportunity. And um, what I'm going to do now is I'm actually going to just turn my screen um, so that you're, I'll share my screen. I wanted to show you this. So I am uh, just launched this book and on September 12th, it'll be out as a paperback and the paperback includes a free audiobook, which is pretty cool. Um, and the Kindle course is out right now and the price is going up a dollar a week. So I'm using the book to then talk about uh, this pilot program that is based on the content of the book. Um, this is reminding me that one of the questions was really about how I built my launch team and how I got the book to number one. So I'll just take a minute to talk about that. Um, for one, I've been offering value. I think about that wherever I go. And so there was a lot of people who were willing to jump in and help me, but I'll be honest, I didn't know about half my launch team, which is, which is pretty incredible because there was over 330 people on my launch team. I had kept track of people who had signed in on like pieces of paper at events that I'd spoken at for years. And for a long time, I didn't have an email list or like a newsletter. So I didn't actually put them in a list. I just had spreadsheets. And I wrote a one-time email to all those people saying, you know, it's been a while since I've talked in front of you about this topic and it's memorable. And they, they all remember croissants versus bagels. It's a sticky concept. So a bunch of people who had heard me speak, someone actually showed up that remembered me talking in 2012, which is pretty incredible from five years ago. So that was part of it is like, realize that you have to extend the invitation to join your launch team to everybody. Um, and I also made sure to invite my family, which is a funny thing to forget, but the extended family, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, the grandmas, like everybody get them invited in, and participating in this. Um, I also had people submit their, uh, their review ahead of time. And that really helped. I had a goal of a hundred reviews. So in the end, the book has over 160 reviews worldwide. It hit number one in three categories. It's still in the top 20 in several categories. Uh, so it's doing really, really well. And honestly, you have to have read a good book. <laughs> That's the other part of this, um, a book that people find valuable or else no, no amount of networking is going to help you. Um, I'm going to switch my screen back. So take a picture of this quick, quick, quick. Good. You got the date. So um, I want to just make sure I'm not missing any questions that are coming in because I don't think I can see the questions, the chat box. So I'm going to just switch back. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about empowered networking. All right. So yeah, let me know if there's any questions that come in. So I have this idea that people can shift their mindset and their behavior when it comes to networking, but it's not easy to do. And I know that for me, it's been like a practice of just doing it and trying it and being part of a supportive community as I do it. And that's what I want to offer people. Because I know how anxious this makes some people and how some people think that, um, oh, if, they're, if you're on your disqualified, have you ever sent them anything through Amazon? Yes, actually, that's a really good point, Teresa. Uh, if, like, if you have shipped things to people, then they're not going to be able to write your Amazon reviews. But I have extended family that I don't know, know or see very well, very often. So um, they were able to write reviews without a problem. But like my parents couldn't write reviews. Um, I'm trying to think, my father-in-law couldn't write a review. But it didn't, it didn't really disqualify a lot of other people. Um, we're not sure exactly how the Amazon algorithm works, but it's something definitely to bear in mind. Um, it's all very secretive. And one of the things I did, by the way, is I joined self-publishing school. And um, I'll put that resource here as well, because if you are thinking about writing a book, 
this uh, resource was amazing. It's a thousand plus people, a great curriculum, an amazingly supportive community, and it really helped me think through the whole launch team process. Um, Empowered Networking is a 10-week program, and part of what I'm trying to do is think about who would be best to be part of the pilot. So the pilot's starting this fall, and it's to help people move through the course material and actually practice it in real life. Not just what I'm doing now, which is I'm sharing a ton of content, and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> but like, you have to go and apply it. That's how it becomes part of you. And it actually shifts the way you approach networking. So that is relationship building. So the pilot program is going to include a Facebook community and an accountability partner and access to me to ask questions. Uh, if you sign up by next Wednesday, you get a 30-minute complimentary coaching call with me that we can schedule any time during the course. Um, if you've got a clear sense of, oh, I really want to like figure this thing out. I know that networking is important. I know that it will help me grow my business or help me advance in my career. Invest in yourself, right? Take the time and energy to build the community because part of what happens is the people in the network that you're, this, uh, this Facebook group, they become part of your professional network. They are the people who refer you. They're the people who support you and who join your launch team if you're writing a book, that kind of thing. Um, it's robbysamuels.com, uh, empowered networking is the link. And, um, that'll tell you all kinds of information about what the program is about. I will tell you that in the spring, it's a $2,000 program and that right now it's $500. It's $499, three payments of $175 each, however you want to look at it. Uh, if you take away the $200 value of the coaching call, it's, $299, 10 weeks. What is that? It's like not even 30 bucks a week, $5 a day. I mean, you're worth it. You're worth the $5 a day to figure out how to like change and actually conquer your fears and get past your insecurities and have a game plan for all the conferences and events that are going to come up this fall. I believe that you can do it. I'm, I've done it and I want to show you how to do it for yourself. So I'm hoping you'll go check out that page and then you can also check out to see more about information about my book at this page. And um, I'm going to re record this, uh, or have been recording this. I'm going to share the link with everyone who signed up so you can re-listen to it and take notes if you didn't catch every tip. Uh, feel free to reach out to me if you want to set up a, a phone call. So I'm going to give you another option here to set up a phone call with me. This will be a 20-minute phone call. If you go to that link right there at the bottom of the chat screen, meetme.so slash Robbie. Click on that right now. Choose 20 minutes. We'll just do a quick phone call. Um, if you if you want to think about this this uh, program, whether it's right for you, um, will it apply to your situation? Will you get a lot of value out of it? The answer is yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm happy to talk to you about it. Thank you so much for joining me for this uh, Q&A free webinar. I'm glad I was able to add some value and answer your questions. And I look forward to hearing from you when you reach out. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.